hospitable. Um, Titus 1, verse 7 and 8. An overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. In other words, if a, if a man is not hospitable, he's not qualified to lead the church in the office of elder, overseer, pastor, whatever you happen to call it. That's the importance of this command. Furthermore, hospitality is demanded of a, a widow who might be placed on the church list to support. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. First Timothy chapter 5 speaks about, speaks about those who have died, those who are widows, whose husbands have died, and um, considering taking them on in terms of financial support for the church. You remember back um, in the times of the New Testament, there was no Social Security, and widows were very vulnerable. And the church, because God loves orphans and widows, picked up the task of supporting widows. But, but they had to meet some qualifications. Paul said this, Let a widow be enrolled, that is put on this list, signed up for church support, if she is not less than 60 years of age, so she's got to be 60 or older, having been the wife of one husband, having had a reputation for good works, If she's brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has carefully afflicted, has devoted herself to every good work. In other words, the church doesn't take any widow. The church takes widows who have lived godly lives. And one of the characteristics of a a life that the church would come and, and gather and support is that they showed hospitality. Women, that might be a good call to you. I mean, that's just just women to be supported. Men, that's a good call to you to aspire to the qualities of an elder. All of us ought to aspire for all of that. And hospitable is, is one of those characteristics. That's the importance of showing hospitality. As we look at First Peter chapter 4, verse 9, it's a real simple verse. It simply says this, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, when we think about hospitality... Some things, images come into mind. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing you invite your friends over and you have a lavish spread, right? You serve your friends some fine food um, placed on your nice fine china. Um, and at times maybe there's some entertainment afterwards. So maybe there's a movie or maybe you're watching a ball game or maybe you're, you're going to go outside and play jarts or something. I don't know, bocce ball or you're going to take a walk or you're going to just do some kind of activity. That's hospitality is what we often think. Now, That's part of hospitality, but I would contend that that's really not biblical hospitality. It's more just love towards your your friend. Now, there are hospitality industries, like restaurants and hotels and cruises. Um, And so some might think that hospitality is is having people come and and you entertain them and you spend the night with you and you you do at your home what someone might do at a a resort sort of place. Just come and you serve everything for them and you, you care for them completely. And I, I would say this, that's part of hospitality. That's not all what biblical hospitality is. Uh, the best way to understand hospitality is to understand the Greek word uh, of, of what hospitality is. Or as so your translation might say, be hospitable or offer hospitality. Now, I don't often really discuss the meaning of Greek words um, but when I do, it's important. So this is really important. The, the Greek word here is, is uh, philoxenos. 
from two words, philos and xenos. Philos means, help me now, love, like brotherly love. We looked at it last week. And xenos means, xenos? What is it? Xenos. Xenophobia. Fear of strangers means strangers. So hospitality literally means a love of strangers. I want you to just keep that in your mind. So when you have friends over for dinner with your fine china and entertainment, it's not really biblical hospitality because your friends aren't your strangers. Hospitality is focused more on, on strangers than upon your friend. Now, I'm not discouraging you from having your friends over for dinner. Okay, I, I'm not discouraging that at all. On the contrary, I would strongly encourage that. Um, it's just, that's really not total biblical hospitality. That would be verse 8 of First Peter chapter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. That, that's what I would call having your friends over, is loving them earnestly. And I would say love them earnestly, love them lavishly, and provide a, a great time for your friends just out of an expression of, of love towards them. But, but don't think that, oh, look at how hospitable I am, because you're not loving strangers, you're loving your, your friends. Now at this point, if we think about Philoxenos and loving uh, strangers, you might notice a bit of a problem because this one another command comes. It's one another is attached at the end. So it's, it's uh, keep loving strangers for one another. And so one another seems to be more inclusive of those that you know or the, the church, like encourage one another. It means that you encourage the people in your social circle, your family, your friends, your church, Right? The, the encourage one another isn't to say, well, just go out and pick random people and just encourage them. No, encourage one another says, you look and see who's around and build them up. Give them grace. Help them. Encourage them. Speak with them. Pray for one another. That's just not praying for random people. That's praying for people, again, in your social circle, your family, your friends, your church, fellow believers. Serve one another. Love one another. Applies a relationship with those who you're serving and loving. And, and so... Then when the command comes here to show hospitality or love strangers, it's a, it's a bit odd to add this one another to that. You see what I'm talking about? See the problem? Okay, well, how do, you, how do you solve that? I think one way to solve this problem is to think about the audience of Peter's letter. He's not writing to a specific church. Rather, he's writing to a scattered churches. This group of churches in a geographic region. Look back at 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. In other words, Peter's writing to, to Asia Minor. He's just writing to a, a, a region. So he's writing to many churches, some of whom don't know everybody else because they don't know all the different churches. And so what he's talking about is he's talking to these scattered believers, telling them to, to work together as a corporate church to, to love one another, even beyond your scope of knowing everybody. So when Peter heard these words of application, what, one thing that might come to mind is you love other people that you are, are, are within the body, but you don't really know them might be within the scope of the, the greater Christian church. And what Peter's listeners heard certainly was, welcome strangers into your home. 
feed them, help them with lodging. So everything we know about hospitality in terms of feeding, in terms of vacation destinations and lodging, whatever, that all comes together here, but particularly focused on strangers, particularly focused probably upon those who are within the body of of Christ. See, in Peter's day, there weren't many hotels, and those that existed were hotbeds of sin. The accommodations weren't so nice, so when Christians traveled, they tried to avoid such places And uh, they would take advantage of the network of Christians across the land. And through mutual acquaintances, they were often able to secure lodging at places with other Christians, even though they're entire strangers. So people come to town, they talk to the pastor in church, talk with them a bit, talk about their needs. So he sends them to your house. And um, the expectation is that you would receive them you would take them in, and Peter exhorts them to do so, 1 Peter 4, 9, without grumbling. Maybe you can see why he added that, without grumbling. Because to have someone come unannounced, knocking at your door, requesting permission to come maybe spend the night, and maybe explain, well, I'm from this church in Thessalonica, and I'm going to the church in Corinth, and... Um, would you be able to provide me and my family a place to stay for the night? That's tough, huh? Moms, mothers, is that tough? Dads, a lot of times, oh, yeah, just bring them on because we don't deal with the details. <laughs> so moms got to deal with the details. It's tough. But yet in Peter's day, just through circumstance, he's calling the church to love strangers. Show hospitality to one another. Show the strangers, love the strangers among you. Love them, serve them, help them on their way. That's what Gaius did. Remember when we were in 3 John? Why don't you turn back there? 3 John. I preached this a few months back when we were preaching through the epistles of John. And Gaius received in hospitality these, um, these Christians. And these were, were preachers primarily. But 3 John, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, verse 5, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on a journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So best we can tell, Gaius was in his home. He hears that knock on the door. He opens to find some Christian missionaries. Okay, these are not Mormon missionaries knocking on the door. These are Christian missionaries. Strangers, though they are, uh, he, didn't, he didn't know them. If you look there, even verse 5 speaks about how they're strangers. He didn't know them. They knock on the door, and they begin talking. I don't think Gaius knew them personally. Um, but these missionaries knew John, and John knew Gaius, and started talking about this network of, of everything going on. They... They saw that, that link, and after a bit of discussion, understanding what they're doing and where they're going, I think it's clear that Gaius welcomed them into his home. I mean, you can look at verse 6. It says, you will do well to send them on a, 
their journey in a manner worthy of God. And we see even um, in, in verse 6 about Gaius' love towards these men. So he was loving these strangers. This is exactly what biblical hospitality is. Now, we don't know how long they stayed. We don't know how often they stayed. But I suspect that there were some frequent visits. Because think about it. John is talking about these men having been received by Gaius, going back, reporting to the church of the love that Gaius had, even for these strangers. And then John tells Gaius to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, that is, support them. And so I think they've been there once. They went back and reported. They've been there again. Now send them on their way. It's kind of, I think, the idea. So frequent visits. So he started with strangers and then become more familiar with them. And this became then a a hop so that they could go out uh, with Christian ministry. That's biblical hospitality, to facilitate the mission of Christ. As Leon Morris said, accommodation at inns was expensive. And in any case, inns had a bad reputation. But as Christian preachers traveled around, believers gave them lodging and so facilitated their mission. Without hospitality in Christian homes, the spread of the faith would have been much more difficult. So hospitality was crucial in terms of spreading the gospel because it allowed the Christian preachers to find places to stay. They could go on at the different churches and the different places where they had planted as Christianity just kind of spread out. Now there are other examples of, of uh, hospitality in the New Testament. Think about when Paul first came to Philippi. He was a stranger in Philippi. He didn't even know. He said, oh, well, there's a place of prayer down by the river. So there's some women there, some God-bearing women. One was named Lydia, seller of purple goods, a worshiper of God. It says in Acts 16, verse 14, that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. She responded to the word, was baptized along with her whole household, and then listened to what she said. So it's a, a new convert to Christ. Paul is a stranger, and instantly she says, if you judge me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Paul's a stranger. That's obviously an expression of love. That's obviously an expression of hospitality, loving, lodging, that sort of thing. Or when Paul came to Caesarea, he entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, stayed with him. There's just this lodging uh, idea. Um, In in that case, uh, Philip, uh, he was one of the seven in Acts chapter um, 6, given, so Paul probably knew him, so it wasn't technically that, but it was another lodging idea. But in Thessalonica, Paul came to Thessalonica for the first time, preached the, the gospel for three Sabbaths, and stayed with a man named Jason, who'd received Paul and Silas in his home. There's a stranger being received into the home. That's hospitality. Now, I just say this. Having people in your home, hospitality, isn't easy. Because, as Benjamin Franklin said, visitors are like fish. They both stink in three days. Right? It's just something about kind of, kind of being that's hospita- hospitality is not comfortable, but it's a life that God has called us to, and I, I think that's why Paul told those in Rome to show hospitality, to seek to show hospitality. He didn't just say show hospitality; he says seek it. This is a um, the command. This is the pursuing word, right? Pursue hospitality. Go for it. Keep at it. Don't let down. Because, quite frankly, it's easy to let down. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 13. We see the way that the writer of the Hebrews says it. There's an idea here that hospitality is, is difficult. It's, it's, it's not our tendency. He, he said this. He said, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. 
For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So maybe that's a motive. Right? Someone comes, maybe more stranger needing some housing. Um, maybe you'll entertain an angel, which you'll never know for eternity because by definition you don't even know. You're, you're unaware of that. Um, just think about biblical examples of that. Maybe um, Abraham in Genesis 18 when he received the three men in and said, Sarah, go out and prepare this meal for them. And they had, and that's probably an incarnation of Christ. Or, um, you know, maybe Lot in Genesis 19. You remember when these angelic beings came into town? Um, we saw they were handsome and Lot took them into the house. He may have shown hospitality to angels unaware. And I, and I, I just say this, it's important to show hospitality, to, to love strangers. I mean, consider this. Turn to um, Matthew 25. This is the judgment scene with the, the sheep and the goats and, <clears throat> and, the, and the final judgment. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne and before Him will be gathered all the nations. He'll separate one from another as so a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He'll place the sheep on His right, the goats on His left. And the King will say to those on His right, Come, you are blessed to my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now just consider that in through the, the lens of hospitality, through the lens of loving strangers, that there's something about being hungry and thirsty, and as verse 35 says, right, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. In fact, philoxenos, love of strangers' hospitality, the, the word translated in First um, Timothy 5 was not philoxenos, it was dekomai. Uh, receiving strangers. Kind of the, the same idea, but that's the idea here is about, about I'm a stranger and you welcomed me or you received me or took me in <clears throat> and cared for me. <clears throat> so think about this. Eternal judgment will be in part based upon your hospitality. Let that weigh in your soul the importance of it. And just there's, there's something godly about the characteristic of bringing people in. When Job was defending his integrity, you read Job 31, and he just speaks about over and over and over again the, the things that he did and how he stood impeccable and is a righteous man, and you can see that. And, and one of the things he says in Job 31, 32, the sojourner has not lodged in the street. I've opened my doors to the traveler. In other words, sojourners going by, and they're looking for a house, looking as they're just traveling through, and they're content like in um, Genesis 19 about just sitting in the square, and, jo- and, Lot- and Job would have nothing of it. He's going to take him into his house. That's just a demonstration of his own righteousness. 
He loved them enough to invite them in. Now, I just say this. This is not our tendency. Okay? Maybe there's the rare exception, but I would be surprised if, if there was one who just says, yeah, let him come, let him come. Because um, introvert, extrovert alike, um, we like to live in our own space. Uh, I think especially in our culture today, we have opportunity to create our own little space that nobody can come in and penetrate, right? We drive into our homes, click the garage door opener, drive in, shut the garage door behind us, enter our little palace, never needing to interact with those around us at all. We have all the food we need in the refrigerator or in the pantry, or we can call someone, um, have them deliver it for us. We have all the ability to communicate with the outside world. We've got telephones, we've got computers. We totally can know what's, what's going on. Um, we have all the entertainment we could ever want, our cable, internet, and our Netflix, whatever we want. It's just right there. You can game, you can, you can whatever. We're talking today about screen time. You can have all the screen time you want. Uh, we have plumbing in the home, so we don't have to go outside the home in order to do our, our business. We can, don't have to hang out our laundry to dry because we have dryers. We can, we can do that. And should the need arise when you go out, we can always open the garage door, drive out, Click the opener, shut it on the way, and on our way out, we're in our own little world filling our car with um, the sounds of our favorite radio station or podcast from our MP3 player. We're just like in our own little world and uh, never interacting with our neighbor unless they happen to be outside as we drive by. We can give the, the Miss America wave. That's how many of us live. Uh, not so in the ancient world. In the ancient world without cars... They live much closer together. Um, they had to go someplace so they would walk. And they'd walk past each other's house. And remember, they didn't have earbuds in their ears. So they actually would, would hear a neighbor and be able to talk with them. Wouldn't have to like pause and take those earbuds out. So it's not like even you're out jogging your neighborhood. It's, it's, like, it's like no earbuds. You talk to people. Um, without cable and internet, there's nothing happening inside the home. <laughs> Except darkness, because they didn't have lights. Maybe they had some lamps, but they want to save their fuel. For, so they're outside, oftentimes on their porch. And the action is the people walking by. <laughs> so as they walk by, they can, they can shout. They can talk with people as they, they go by. And they can welcome them and see what's happening. And they know the people. They just live right down there. And they get culturally connected. I remember talking with uh, Rob Provost in Albania. And he, he talked about that's that it was like. He'd walk by and people would want to have him for tea and talk. And it was so social back then. We can see that happen in India where we've been, just houses and people out walking. Um, when I showed you that picture a couple of weeks ago about all, the, uh, all those people taking selfies of us, because they were outside. They're not, they're not inside even to today, even though they have phones and satellite. They're still outside. And in many ways, I think those in the ancient world were more prepared to show hospitality than, than we are today. Because by necessity, there's a greater degree of openness, a greater degree of, of just being out there. But things are different for us today. Travel is easy, hotels are abundant, and few today have any real practical need to visit our homes. If missionaries come into town, we could have them at their house, but they can easily stay at a, at a hotel. No sweat off our backs. In fact, a few weeks ago, Avon and I, we, we went to Palos Heights, which is the, uh, the headquarters of Leadership Resources. Um, and Leadership Resources is the organization which I've gone to in Nepal and India on many occasions. And uh, they have a, a prayer meeting every Thursday morning. And so they wanted to hear about Nepal and India and our, our recent trip. And uh, we had some things to talk with Craig Perrow about. 
um, some questions about how to deal with some things that, that we received or experienced there. Um, he's the president of Leadership Resources. And, and so it was a great time. So we drove down there. But it was an hour and a half to get down there and um, an hour and a half to get back. And for a one-time trip, that's not a big deal. But while we were there and, and shared God's work and prayed with them about what, what happened with us and around the world, while, while we were there, a discussion turned to an event that we're planning at Rock Valley Bible Church in October. You don't know about this yet, but you're hearing about it now. But uh, Leadership Resources is putting some efforts into locally training groups of pastors um, just to get a flavor and idea of what happens overseas at these different venues. And the idea is to, to bring these pastors in, to get them to feel and understand just what, what the mission is and what the, the scope is and what the training is like so that they might be raised up. Maybe they have a heart to do what I do, like, like jump on board a plane every so often whenever I can to go and help uh, with the ministry overseas that other churches might partner with LRI in the same way that we've partnered because it's a win-win because we, we can help minister in a way that's really helpful and uh, they're helped because they don't need to bring two LRI staff or three LRI staff. They can have other pastors come. Like when we went, um, I came and another pastor from California went along with Alan Jin. And so these are like partner churches came along and this church in California is just like our church committed towards funding the India venue. Um, anyway, I've already invited by email 20 pastors in the area. Uh, time draws near. I'm going to be calling them, asking them to come and see if they want to come. Sharing my videos about kind of the experience I had. Said you two can have that if you're looking to, to just speak about expository preaching and minister these things. It's a great deal. I- anyway, we're talking about this event. I'm thinking about the length of drive, an hour and a half to come out here. And so uh, these guys are planning to spend a few days here in Rockford. Like two nights, and I offered them a place to stay, right? So they wouldn't have to make this long commute, so they wouldn't drive here and go back. I said, well, how about a place to stay? And, and pretty quickly, he's like, well, well, we'll just get a hotel. Like, I didn't, I was thinking about saving some money, but overall, it's probably easier and better. They get a hotel, then they got their own space. They don't have to worry about me pestering them to play pool with them or something like that. They would, they would be all, um, they got to study for the next day, get rewear, get, do their emails, whatever. Um, but just say that in, in our culture, even that that's available, we don't do it because it's, it's certainly easier, costs a few dollars, but you know what, we have the means, we like our privacy, we get our hotel rooms. Listen, right, but, but being private people doesn't exclude us from the responsibility to show hospitality. It simply means that it needs to look a little bit different. Um, now, certainly there are opportunities to have people in your home. I remember a couple years ago, we had a, a farms uh, board meeting here and had opportunities. Who wants to have a, a board member in your house? And I know several of you did that. We had a fine time doing that. That was kind of fun. Um, you know, just, just even coming up, I know several of you are bringing in some high school Chinese students to just reach out to them coming, I'm not sure when, Maggie, I know you're hosting one. July 9th, something like that. Browns, you guys are hosting some too. I think there's another family or two uh, doing that. But there's a great way to show hospitality. These are total strangers, probably non-Christian Chinese students. That's just being willing to bring them into your, your house for uh, a couple days. Um, you know, we have housed a Chinese student or international students. You can do that. Just, just being welcoming to bring them into your home. Strangers. Um, but so what does it mean for us to show hospitality to love strangers? I think one of the ways, just a, a straight first obvious application is to, uh, uh, is to reach out to visitors who come to church. I mean, that, um, they've come into our home, if you will, and we ought to make them feel welcome 
They've come uninvited. Sometimes they're invited, but they've come. Uh, all of us didn't know that they were coming, and so for us, it's there. Circumstances vary greatly. Some are believers from out of town visiting family. It's wonderful. Uh, some are maybe moving into the area, just new believers. That, that's great. Um, others um, might have some sort of life crossed life crisis maybe they're unbelievers we don't we don't know exactly but all these different circumstances i think the the call is still the same especially for us at church is to love strangers right people come in here we don't know who they are our call is to love them visiting church is a difficult thing okay uh, new building new people different ways of doing stuff and um sometimes people can come into our place just like they don't know what to do. They don't know the protocol. Right? They, they don't know about children's notes. They don't know about visiting afterwards. They don't know about other things. And so they kind of come in. And um, I would just say this. If you see somebody at church you don't know, and they look a little dazed, I would just encourage you to practice the golden rule and love them as you would like to be loved. Treat them like you would like to be treated. Maybe they've got children looking for a nursery. We'll walk them down to the nursery and introduce them to Tim Iverson and Wendy Iverson and Stephanie who are in the nursery serving us right now. Or, or maybe they want to know about their children. So you can explain all about the children's notes and this goofy thing that we do that, that works so well to attract children and bring children in and help teach them and train them. Or, or maybe looking for a bulletin or some sort of information or you, you, you do that for them and and if they are doing that, I just say go to that back table and start giving them gifts. Like, oh, this? Oh, yeah, a pastor went to India here. This is a gift, one for family. And I got, there's a mug there, right? Give them a mug. Oh, here, you first time visitor, here's a mug. Oh, and here's some pens and here's some... You just start giving them stuff, right? I mean, you'd like to go someplace and start getting stuff. That would be wonderful, right? And, and maybe they're just looking for a bathroom. Hey, got to be really careful here because our bathrooms are fully functional now. And you might be really excited about having bathrooms in the back. So you're, oh, you look for the bathroom. Oh, we got the nicest bathrooms, I'll tell you. Here, let me carry. Look, look, we got three stalls in the men's bathroom. Ladies, you can say, oh, we got this room. And look, look at how pretty this is. And they're like, I was just looking for a bathroom. But see, we're, you know, we've been deprived, and so we have this, and so we're all excited about it. So just, you know, un- understand, right? If you go to another church, and um, they're all excited about the bathrooms, they're like, ooh, what's this kind of a crazy, great. So, like, understand what's, what's going, going on. Um, but you just need to remember that you want to love people. Nothing's more awkward than going to a place and kind of standing there and nobody's talking to you. If you see someone, no one's talking to them, go up and approach them and speak with them. So like, like if there are new visitors in the church and, and you see someone, they're not talking to them, and you notice, it's God's call upon your life to love strangers and go over and talk to them. Really, it's God's call upon your life to go. Approach them, talk to them, introduce yourself to them, make them feel welcome. Now, remember, you're loving them. You don't want to, like, interrogate them or put them on the spot or make them feel uncomfortable. You want to, you want to comfort them and, and help them. Now, certainly you have to ask questions, but ask questions gently, inquiring. And I'll just, I'll just say this. One of the greatest ways to train to love strangers in our church is to be a stranger in another church. We really encourage you. Uh, to go to another church. Now, I'm not saying skip out on Rock Valley Bible Church some Sunday morning. What I'm talking about is maybe when you can't get here, like when you're gone, some vacation time. That's a perfect time to go to church. All right. Now, 
we love going to church on vacation, you know, not obligate, oh, Sunday got to be in church, but we love going, and we've gone to um, different places far from home, and, and if you go to the right church, you're going to be edified. You're going to come back with a, a great time, and, and even if you go to a wrong church, um, at, at least you're going to feel that new building and new people and new way of doing things, and you will know clearly whether you were neglected or loved whether you felt hospitality or whether you didn't, you'll know whether you were embarrassed or, or helped. And over the years, we've gone to other churches. Our, our experiences span the spectrum. We've gone to places where we've been totally ignored, like, like they don't even know that we existed here. We walk in, stood around, obviously knew. No one greeted us. They just kind of went out the way, and we're like, okay. And we've had churches... On the other extreme, we've been totally loved, like, mm, wonderful. I remember went to the church in uh, Knoxville. I forget the name of it. Something, something, uh, whatever. We went to this church in Knoxville a few years ago, went to Tennessee. We walked in. Immediately, we're new people because we just could tell we're new people. We dressed maybe a little different. I don't know. You you could tell. And uh, I remember this guy approached us, and he didn't, he wasn't an usher, he wasn't a badger or anything, he just kind of approached us and said, hey, you all folks knew, and just kind of down south stuff, and explained, yeah, and, and he just kind of moved right into his testimony about how God saved him through this church, their college ministry, and how his church planted, and how it became what it is today, and a real, real natural, I mean, it wasn't, he was just kind of talking about, oh, well, here it is, and probably in a two minutes or three minutes, just kind of explain that, and and then uh, this woman came up and saw that we had some children, and then she like took you away, like to show you whatever's available from a children's perspective. And I don't even know where you went; you just kind of went this way someplace. I was talking to this guy, I'm like, "Okay, bye, Yvonne. We'll see you in a little bit." And so they went there, and um, worship service was wonderful because we'd done our homework and we got it right, and it was it was wonderful. And then after the service, I remember we sat right in front of this college gal who was going to University of Tennessee. Is that in Knoxville? I don't even know. So some college that she was going to, and she talked about her experience about coming to school, thinking she was a Christian, not a Christian, and how much of an impact school and Christ and his church has been in her life in just a real natural way. It was really appropriate for us, because Krissa, I can't remember whether she was going to ISU then, that next year, whatever, and SR was thinking about college, and so it was really, really natural, and we just felt we just felt very loved and very encouraged by that church. And uh, we've, we've gone all the way. We've kind of had some halfway stuff and some, some all the way spectrum. But here's my hope. I hope that Rock Valley Bible Church is way over here. That when people come to Rock Valley Bible Church, they feel like, I'm a stranger, but I was really loved. Um, that they would be so encouraged by what they experience here. Whether they come back again. I mean, I've had people... Uh, trying to follow up with them, said, um, you guys are just too loving. That was the ex, you know, and, and this was someone who, whatever, was drunk at the time, I think, when I, I called her and talked with her, and she's swearing at me and stuff, and that was our problem. Like, okay. And she was here maybe two or three times, I, I remember. And, um, but I just hope that people go away from our church with that experience. And, and the good news is, I think we do a good job of welcoming strangers I'm not preaching, you know, to a group of people that need to, whatever, shape up. I'm saying we're doing well. would encourage you. I hear testimony from people that say they're blown away by our, our genuine care. Uh, 
People who visit our church say our friendliness stands out. And I just want to commend you with that. Particularly though, kids, I want to really encourage you guys. Um, if you see another family coming in with kids, just, just kind of wage them up, okay? And so David, you're nine years old. And so if a family comes in, he goes, ooh, do they have a nine-year-old boy? <gasps> ding, 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 ding. And be all over him and take him and go play with him. And so they have a great time, right? And Eva, how old are you? You're eight? Seven? Ten. You're ten. Okay. So if you find a family here with a ten-year-old girl, what's going to happen in your head? Ding, 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 ding. And you just, you just befriend whoever that is. Kids, you have no idea of the impact that you can make of just reaching out to other families. Because I'm telling you, um, kids, if, if the kids love their time here, you know what's going to happen? Daddy, Dad, we just love the Rock Rally Bible Church because we love playing out of the playground or they're so nice or we love playing dodgeball or we love doing this. So bring them in. Okay? If you find a common interest with people, maybe there's some interest or club, feel free to get their phone numbers and call them up just naturally. Bring them into your social world. And that's a way to love strangers, bring people into the church. Um, you know, here's, here's an application uh, for you. Um, as, I'm, as I'm gone, some of the Sundays I'm gone, um, we have a, a couple people coming in to preach from outside the church. Um, why don't you talk to me later and just say, you know what, can, can you put me on a list of someone who would be willing to have those preachers over to your house for dinner? Uh, in fact, I've already got two guys on the list. I said, Here, here's, they say, well, what time should I come? I said, well, we have prayer meeting at nine o'clock and, and it'd be really good if you come because that's the idea of these people coming is to spend time with us so that we know, so that when we mention their names, we're like, oh yeah, I know that person. So come at nine o'clock if at all possible. And then our service goes from 10 and then stay for a fellowship time. And I'd love to put you in a home with somebody in the church so that they can kind of get to know you and whatever, serve you dinner. And so if you're interested in that, just talk to me later. I'll put you on a list, and I'll match you up with some guys who come. I'm not sure, right? If you 15 families come, well, can't, can't do that all this summer, okay? But, but over time, you will. And I just say, if you're interested in hosting, that would be a, a wonderful deal. Well, showing hospitality doesn't merely stop with people coming to church. Showing hospitality is loving strangers. I think predominantly it's loving other believers, but I think for sure there is something there that's talking about just loving strangers flat out. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Let's turn over there. Luke chapter 10. We see a man loving a stranger and Jesus illustrating what it means to love your neighbor. Luke 10 verse 25. Behold, a lawyer stood up, put him in the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your mind, your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, Jesus did. You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said, and who is my neighbor? He told that familiar story, right? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, down that, down that hill to Dangerous Hill. There were robbers along their way. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. He saw him, he passed by the other side. The priest didn't love the stranger. Likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed by the other side. Didn't love a stranger. And, and the implication here is that they are strangers because if he's your friend, you'll probably love him and help him. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed 
came to where he was, and we saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound him with wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, took care of him, and the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, said, take care of him, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He's the one who showed him mercy, and Jesus said, go and do likewise. This is loving a stranger. This is showing hospitality. And this guy maybe didn't take him into his house, technically, okay? But he loved the stranger, which is probably the broadest definition of this. And he cared for this guy, even though he didn't know him. And Jesus lifted this up as the one who loved. So just consider that even, that there are, there are neighbors, perhaps, that you can love. Maybe your physical neighbors. You can, you can show hospitality to your neighbors, Okay, there's strangers, even if they're not a one another. I mean, this command, right, one of these one another commands, right? There's, there's three of them, First Peter 4 and Romans 12 and Hebrews 13. Um, the first one speaks about one another. The other one just says love strangers. And so you probably have some neighbors who are strangers who you can certainly love. Maybe you make it this goal this summer, have one or maybe several neighbors over for for dinner. You can barbecue. You can outside. They don't even have to come in your house. You have a picnic table outside. You grill. You just kind of sit outside. And I know that the, the path of life is paved with good intentions. And I know that we've had a lot of intentions of that. But maybe it's time where you say, you know what? That, we've talked about this. Let's just get it done. And whenever we've done that with our neighbors, it's always been a very good and pleasant and fun experience. In fact, we had one of our neighbors over recently, maybe three years ago, two years ago, the Felts. And we still have a, a remembrance of our time there. Our kids were playing pin the tail on the donkey, I think. <laughs> and so it was out on our porch, and they stuck a tail, and the tail is still there to this day. And David pointed that out. Oh, remember when we had the felts over? There's that, there's that tail there that we had. And so maybe that should be a reminder of we ought to do that more often, right? And you're going to reach your scope, okay? So whatever scope you can, but you might just say, you know what, maybe we can, maybe we can do this with our neighbors, Well, let me close, finally, quickly, with a theological reason why you should show hospitality. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is a great, great book of the Bible. I look forward to opening it up, walking through it verse by verse someday. But um, just talking all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, we've been saved by grace. And at the end of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it talks about how we were dead in our sins, but God, being rich in mercy, God made us alive even when we were dead. He broke into our hearts and brought us to life because by grace we've been saved, not what we do. Then he says this, therefore, verse 11, remember that at one time you, Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by which is called the circumcision, which is made by flesh of hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off been brought near by the blood of Christ. Do you realize that to God, we were strangers before we were saved? It says in verse 12, you were separated from Christ. That is, we were apart from the Messiah. The, the promises of the Messiah weren't coming to us. They, they spilled over to us, but they didn't come to us. We were separated from Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We're outside the commonwealth of Israel. Being Gentiles, particularly these in, in, in Ephesus. That means they, they weren't part of the Jewish community. They were, they were aliens to it. 
And, and that was God's community, and they were outside of it. And even as he said, that, that next phrase, here it is, we are strangers to the covenants of promise. They were strangers to God. The covenants of promise was to Israel. It wasn't to us. We're an outsider. And as a result of that, we had no hope. We were without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, God has brought you near by the blood of Christ. We who were away and we were strangers, what did God do? God showed hospitality to us strangers. He loved us strangers and he brought us in. And because we were outside and brought in, the command comes to do the same with others. Those who are outside who are strangers, bring them in and bring them into your life. Leviticus 19, that that chapter which speaks about the holiness code, about how we should be holy. When a sojourner sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns you as a native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So in other words, Israel, even though they're there, they're strangers in the land, they were to bring them in and to love the alien and love the stranger. Why? Because they were strangers themselves. You shall love them as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And I say this, because we were strangers in God's covenant and God has brought us near, there's a theological reason why we should enact that and bring that out. So I encourage all of us that we might be hospitable people, loving the strangers, and that God might give us the courage and the grace to do so. So let's pray. Father, I pray, God, just here that we would be a, a church that would be obedient to this command that we would be hospitable towards one another. God, I pray especially this summertime. Lord, I pray you'd help us to know and prioritize. God, the busyness of summer, so much is going on. I think about my schedule. It's packed. God, but just even thinking about how it is that we can reach out to the strangers that are around us and love them and feed them and know them and dwell with them. Oh God, it's really in in your, your hands. We plead you give us the strength, the might, God, I pray that you'd stir us theologically. God, to really know that we are strangers and you brought us near in Christ. It's his name we pray. Amen.